Peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is, of course, I already mentioned, it is the beginning of Advent, but that's not the, the main, calendar, main thing on our calendar. Right now, it's, you probably are starting to hear Christmas songs. Anybody? We talked about it last week. You yourself might be playing them. But the radio's playing it. It's really still Thanksgiving weekend. Does it feel like it? Or is that long gone? Like Thanksgiving is so far in the past. It really, it's still, anyone still have like turkey that they're eating or stuffing? Or your brother eat it all? All right. Okay. Uh, well, a question, thanks, since it is Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we have much to be thankful for, right? And we often, uh, the day after Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday that some of you love and some of you hate. But it makes us think about what do we really need in life? Do we need those big screens? I mean, let me ask you real quick, just help me out. Since Melissa and I agreed a moment ago that I'm a little bit frazzled, I was over at Holy Cross this morning for a great celebration, but then came here, so, and I drove in this all, can you imagine? Like, if I got pulled over by the cop, he'd be like, go ahead, right? Uh, anyway, I'm a little frazzled. So I need your help. Uh, question is, what do you need in life? What do you really need in life? And you can raise your hand or just shout it out. What do you really need in life? Food. Family. Shelter. Clothing and health. Sleep. Jesus. Yeah, all right. Good place to be. Water, right? Love. Love. Is that all we need in life? Those are, those are about it, right? We know those are the things we need. Black Friday, of course, tells us that we need so much else, right? And uh, they try to convince us that we need a lot more. Everything you could ever need is on sale. Right? But we know what we really need, the things from God, the things from our family. Those are the things we need. There's a guy named Rafi who says uh, this song, All I really need is, can anybody finish this besides my wife? All I really need is, well, there's love in that. That's, that's Bob, isn't it? Bob Marley? Anyway, well, all I really need is a song in my heart, food in my belly, and love in my family. So I just wanted to put that in the back of your mind. What do you really need? And we could list on and on. Here's a question for you. What does God need. Think about it in your Rolodex a while. Hmm, what does God need? Does God need company? Is that why he created the world? No, because he has each other. Okay. <laughs> Trinity's talk here. Okay. Does God need things to do to keep him occupied? What does God need? We need he needs us to worship him. He requires that, but does he need it? Like, will he survive without our worship? He will, right? Like, I won't survive without water for you guys. You know what I mean. So, yes, he does require those things, and that's what we give him, but does he need it? No. So we might think to ourselves, God doesn't need anything. God is God. He existed before eternity. Like, he created time out of, out of nothingness and, and matter. God doesn't need anything. He says so in his word, just a couple of things. He said to Abraham, I am God Almighty. And then he said, is anything too hard for me? And he said to Moses, tell them that I am that I am, that I am sent you, or I will be what I will be. In other words, just the one who exists, that's who God is. Uh, to Mary, as we think about this time of year, he said to Mary, who was to give birth to a son without knowing a man, nothing, well, this is through the angel, but nothing will be impossible for God, right? God doesn't need anything. He can do anything. You all agree? Yes. All right. Thank you, God. He can do anything he wants. We have needs, but the Lord has no, re no needs. Would you all agree with that? It's kind of the two premises I just 
approach. Okay, so I'm going to say you, that's right and that's wrong. Don't fall out of the pew. It's okay. The Lord has no needs except for the ones he chooses to need. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let me say it again. The Lord only needs the things that he chooses to need. Think about Christmas and what we're celebrating at the Nativity. The miracle of Christmas that we're trying to show is that God has come into our humanity by becoming one of us. And by becoming human, he thus has needs as a human. He came to live an oxymoron. I was thinking about this uh, just to keep you guys awake. What, can you think of any good oxymorons? I was thinking of like fast slow cooker, which is, you know, whatever. Jumbo shrimp. Jumbo <laughs> shrimp. Thank you. I like that. Uh, Hot water heater. What? Hot water heater. Hot water heater. How about, I was thinking, um, good fast food. Please don't be insulted if you own a franchise. Uh, anything else? An oxymoron? Carol got the prize. But one more. Keep us awake. You're a tough crowd today. Come on. All right, well, give Carol a round of applause. All right. Well, let me just say, it's not just a, it's a couple more words than that, but there's an oxymoron that showed up in our text today, the gospel text that we're going to look at. It's this, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need. That's an oxymoron, because we already said the Lord needs nothing, right? But here, Jesus says, tell them the Lord has need of it. And his whole life, in many ways, he came choosing need, unlike us who just need uh, he came as a baby in need, right? Uh, we're going to knock on the, the woodshop door, whatever it's called, the woodshop inn of Joshua's bed and breakfast in a few days. There's gonna, not going to be any room at the inn for baby Jesus, as we're going to show. He came in need. He came with frightened parents who were running, who ended up running from the authorities because their baby was about to be killed. That's our Christmas story, Jesus in need. And as Jesus grew, it did seem like he kind of grew out of that. He didn't need stuff so much anymore. Yeah, some people supported him. And yes, he stayed at people's houses and and gave them food and things like that. But for the most part, if we think about who Jesus was, the records we have, he was a miracle man. He did miracle after miracle. You'd want him to come to your wedding, right? Because he would turn water into wine. Like he didn't need anything. He could do anything he wanted. It was just a matter of if he wanted to do it. He forgave sins, cast out demons, taught the scriptures, announced God's kingdom. That's who Jesus is. He's not a man of need. But he says in our text today, the Lord has need of it. So I know we're kind of going back. It's almost like Palm Sunday, but this is the text for the day. The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to take the throne that belongs to him. The throne that belongs to his father, David. And Jesus seems like he's in control. Uh, He comes to the Mount of Olives, just outside the city of Jerusalem. And some of you have been to Israel. I've talked to you about it. There's this ridge that runs outside Jerusalem. It's called the Mount of Olives. And it's a special mountain. It's the one where Jesus, as we read the gospel story, he's right up there on this ridge. And then he says, hey, go and get a colt for me. Uh, He says uh, to get it. This Mount of Olives is a special place to sort of kick off a campaign. I know you guys really miss political campaigns and things like that, so you have another little few months until they ramp up again. But this is the, this is the place to ramp up a campaign. If you're going to be king of Israel, you start here at this Mount of Olives because it's overlooking the city and it has all this history involved in it. Not sure, Dave, did anybody pick up the scriptures to read? 
Anybody pick up a scripture card to read? It's okay. I'll read it. So this is a special mountain, and it, it talks about the advent of our king, Zechariah 14.4. Let me read this. It talks about this mountain. On that day, his feet, God's feet, shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And then it goes on and says, this mountain will split in two, east to west. It's going to move once, one part north, one part south. And then it goes on in Zechariah 14.9. It says this, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one, and his name one. So this Mount, uh, Mount of Olives is a special mountain. It's the mountain where Jesus seems like he's going to come back to. He's going to touch down there. That's, it's an amazing place. But what I just mentioned, Jesus coming to be king of the whole earth, that's the second advent. But today, as we read, we read about the first advent. Take a look in your bulletin, would you? Let's read verses 29 to 31 in the gospel reading. Let's actually read it together. If you've got a bulletin, find verse 29, and we'll read to the end of verse 31. Are you ready? Put your hand up if you're ready, just so we don't leave without you. All right. Okay, here we go. Verse 29. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. All right, and the story goes on how they actually go and get this. Uh, so on one hand, Jesus knows things that no other human could know. It's like, he knows what John Deere is in your barn, right? He does. He knows everything about you. And even as a human, like, yes, he limited his knowledge, but he still is God in the flesh. And so he knows things. It's like, there's that colt over there, and it could probably tell you how many hairs are on this colt, right? I'm not going to bother you with that. Just go over there and get it. And if they ask you, why are you stealing this colt? Say, the Lord has need of it, all right? He uses some common things like a colt to do some special purposes. All right, so he goes and they get this colt. Now, Jesus has been to Jerusalem lots of times, right? All the way since he was a baby, as a, as a teenager, all throughout his life. He goes several times a year. He goes up to Jerusalem. Never once did he need a colt. Never. He always went on foot. So why does he need a colt now? It's not like riding a colt's going to be pretty impressive. This is like riding a, you know, a go-kart into Clarence Center and expecting everyone to uh, you know, follow you as the next politician. Would you do that? Would you ride a go-kart into Washington, D.C. or Clarence Center? No, you wouldn't do that, right? This is a colt. This is, if you're going to do, you know, ride a white horse, people might follow you. A colt that's never been sat on before? Can you imagine how squiggly this thing is, right? <laughs> This is not an impressive move by Jesus, but there's a reason he does it. He needs a colt and not any colt, a brand new colt that's never been ridden on. Because again, he's going to fulfill the word of Zechariah. Uh, and this one is from chapter 9, verse 9. You can remember it, 9-9. Nine, nine. And since no one picked up a scripture to read, I'll read that one. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Did you catch that? Jesus knows what he's doing. 
he's riding this unimpressive go-kart in because he comes righteous with salvation, but humble and mounted on this insignificant animal. And as we read, the Lord has need of it because of the kind of king that he is. Now, quick question for you all. Could the Lord have just spoken a colt? Like he needs a colt, got to go into town. Could he, being who he was, just spoken a colt to come out of the bush? Could it have happened? Yeah, right? He could have done that. Uh, instead, he chooses to go get a colt from some folks down the road. I want that colt from their house. He's already planned this. So picture this. You're out in your field, you're working. It's a nice sunny day in the spring. And along come some fancy schmancy apostles. And you're out in the field and your wife's in the house. And, and these guys start untying your colt. What's your wife going to do? She might go beat him up. She might holler for you. Hey, Reiko. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Ken. Whatever. Pat, these guys are stealing our colt. Stop them. So you run into the barn and you're like, knock it off, guys. Right? You're going to beat them up. You're not going to let them take your colt. It's your colt. But then they say, the Lord has need of it. And then you're processing, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. You know, you get the idea that Jesus needs this colt. And so all of a sudden it goes from like they're stealing this insignificant sort of humble animal that hasn't even been broke yet. All of a sudden it's the Lord who needs this. So how, does, how do you feel all of a sudden, Sean? Okay, Sean thinks they're lying and stealing, right? <laughs> well, let's assume you've seen these guys somewhere before and you know that these are these fancy schmancy apostles of Jesus. How do you feel all of a sudden, besides what Sean said? All right, Aaron? Confused. Yeah, you might be confused. Sure, Kara? You might be surprised. For sure, surprised. All of these emotions. I'm going to keep going until I get the one I want. What else? How else do you feel? What? There you go. Thank you, Dan. You feel happy to give it to the Lord. Like, wow, my colt out of all the colts and all the barns in Bethany or Bethpage, all of them, the Lord chose my colt to ride in on. That's a happy thing. Like, if you read Mark and Matthew, he does say, and I will send it back. And, and it does say that they sent it immediately. So they were happy to send it, knowing that it would probably come back. But yes, they were honored and happy to give it to the Lord. So, uh, so question for you. Is it the Lord who has need of our cult? Or is it our cult who has need of the Lord? Just a rhetorical question. Is it the Lord who has need of us, of our lives, or us who has need of the Lord? I mean, I think you guys know the answer, right? The Lord doesn't really need us. We really do need Him. But He's humble, and this is the way He works. So think about the people back on the Mount of Olives. Jesus gets on this cult. And he shows that he is a king. They throw their cloaks down, right? Does the, does the Lord need their cloaks? Like their, do they, does he need them to show that he is king? No. No, he doesn't. Do they just give it out of joy because they think he is the king? Yeah, that's the idea. How about, uh, well, they see the Lord humble and mounted on a donkey. He's righteous and coming with salvation. And so this is what Luke tells us. They're happy to do it. The whole multitude of his disciples rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. As Beth mentioned, they worship. 
for all the mighty works that they had seen. They say, blessed is the king, the coming one, the one coming in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Sounds a lot like Christmas, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. There is a connection between Jesus coming to this lowly stable and him coming to his temple and his, co his coming again. Glory in the highest. Does the Lord need, need their praise to prove that he is king? No, of course not. But is the praise fitting? Yes. Yeah, right? Think about the Pharisees. They are the ones who missed out. They're like, the last words, by the way, of the Pharisees in the Gospel of Luke is this. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're going over the top. This is not okay. This, you are just a man and they are praising you. Jesus says to them, I tell you, if these people were silent, the very stones would cry out. Why? Because this is what we are made for. We are made to give praise and thanks to God. And if it's not us, it's going to be someone else. By the way, the, the word stones could refer to Gentiles, outsiders. If these Jewish people don't praise what God is doing, well, some other people will. It's just the way it is. He doesn't need it, but uh, he's like a magnet and people come to him by his Holy Spirit. All right, and this is, um, this is how it always is for the people of God. Go back to David. Uh, this was what's printed in your bulletin, the First Chronicles reading. David is not going to be able to build a temple to the Lord because he's a man of violence, but he's gathering all the materials so that his son Solomon will build this temple. And if you look, flip back one page to the Old Testament reading, I want to point out the verse right in the middle. They give lots of stuff, right? I don't even know what this stuff is. 5,000 talents uh, and 10,000 derricks of gold, talents of silver. By the way, a talent is like, you know, like carrying around a bushel of something. So a talent of silver is a lot of value, right? Um, and they gave all this stuff, including precious stones. And then look at verse 9 right in the middle. It says this, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with the whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. Did they have to do it? Did they get to do it? Yes. Yeah, and their lives were the better for it, right? Because that's what they were made for. God did not need their offerings. He could have dropped a temple out of the sky, right? Just like he could drop a living nativity all set up ready for us right out of the sky. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> it actually wouldn't. It might seem really cool, but then we wouldn't have any part in it, right? Yeah. So he could have dropped stones out that praise God, but instead he drops people out of the sky puts us to work, gives us meaningful tasks for his glory. All right, so this oxymoron, and I'm almost finished here because I know some of you are about to fall asleep. I haven't had you raise your hand in about 10 seconds. <laughs> this oxymoron, here's the oxymoron I mentioned before. The Lord has need. The Lord has need of it. That oxymoron, it's for us. This is for us. The Lord of glory, and you know this story, just reminding you. The Lord of glory came as a baby needing so much. And today at the beginning of Advent, we remember that this baby came, he walked right on past the Roman garrison, all the, all the soldiers, he walked right past it. Even though there was tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of people saying, Jesus, you are king. But he walked right past the Roman garrison and he went straight to the temple. And then he went straight to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he went straight to the courts where he was unjustly tried. And then he went straight to another mountain, the Mount, mountain of Calvary. And then he went straight into a humble death, into a brand new tomb given freely 
as Zechariah said, he is righteous and having salvation is he. And so now the one who has salvation, Jesus, who has salvation, is in need of salvation. You know the end of the story. Uh, we say it, today's a Sunday, it's a mini Easter, so we're going to celebrate and say right now together, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So this Lord, he comes inviting us in with him. He says to us, see that colt over there in your barn? I want you to use it for something common, yet something holy. The Lord has need of it. Whether it's our colt, our cloak, our cries of praise, our life, because he is all we really need, which I think, who said Jesus? Margie said Jesus, so she gets a gold sticker too. Of course, we need everything that comes from the hand of God. But without Jesus, we have nothing. So in the name of Jesus, amen. Having heard the word of God, I invite you to stand as you are able and confess your faith in the words of the Apostle Creed. That's printed on the back inside cover of your maroon service building. I believe in God, 